because it makes me feel known and understood in just three words. Bearing the weight. I am someone who loves to have a positive outlook on life. And at the very same time, I am someone who understands that amongst joy comes sorrow, grief, pain, depression, and anxiety. And this is why I love to hear Bob, or Bob read John Weeborg's words, because they're real. He's saying that the scriptures are not sterile. They are real, and they are heavy, and they bear the weight. We all bear the weight. Another piece that we've been following through this Advent season is the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. God with us. And today's verse is, O come, thou rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people save, and forgive and give them victory over the grave. As Kayla and I were talking this week, we were kind of like, well, this is kind of like an Easter lyric. But the reason it's actually a Christmas lyric is because it is the prophecy that the Messiers read so beautifully. Harper, amazing. Wow. Wow. And she's younger than you think. How old are you, Harper? Nine. Wow. We could all take reading lessons from Harper. That was really good. Really, really good. And in Isaiah 11.1, 1, it's the prophecy that says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. We see the prediction that Christ will come out of the, out of the line of Jesse, who is King David's father. The rod of Jesse speaks of the lineage of Jesus Christ. We find Christ's lineage laid out in Matthew 1. So if you want to see the lineage of Jesus Christ, you can reach right in front of you. There's a Bible, and you can pull it out to Matthew 1. I didn't put it up on the screen because it's really long if you try to put it up on the screen. So if you want to follow along, I'm not going to read all of it or mention everyone because it would um, maybe be more like a bedtime story if I did that. But I want to talk about that. Usually we read that, or if we're honest, we skip over the lineage of Jesus because it's this long list of a lot of people, and it seems really sterile and boring. But the reality is, in the Jewish culture, this was how you introduced yourself or how you talked about anyone. You would talk about their lineage. You would say, this is who this person is, and you would start with their lineage, And what I know is that as I was looking at this this week, it teaches us a lot about how God works through his people. O come thou rod of Jesse, he uses all kinds of people. Free thine own from Satan's tyranny, he uses flawed people. He gives them victory over the grave, he fulfills his promise through people. Now, as we look at this first chapter of Matthew, we need to understand that the Jewish culture, when you share, you really share. Can you imagine sitting around and listening to all of this? Well, actually, if you look at it, it's in groups of 14, and it was so that they could memorize it, and they probably said it kind of in a poetic way. 
And it was a very enjoyable way to, to talk about the lineage of Jesus Christ. The reason that this is so important is because in the Jewish culture, you could only be a Jew one way. You could only be a member of God one way. You had to be Jewish. There was no converting to be Jewish. You were either born a Jew or you weren't. You were either born a person of God or you weren't. So this Jewish bloodline was very important so that you knew where you stood. Now, if you wanted to be a priest in the Jewish culture, you had to prove your pedigree. And you had to do this, like, all the way back to Aaron, proving that you were Jewish. Now, many of us, this seems like a long and boring piece of scripture. But the reality is that this is spectacular. People thought that this was amazing, that you could go all the way back to Abraham in the Jewish culture. The prophecy about Messiah coming out of the root of Jesse is very significant to Christ being the Messiah, the Savior of the world. This would have been important to the Jewish people to know that he was from a Jewish line. Now, I think it would be kind of cool if this is how we shared all of our spiritual stories. Some of us might go, that's really boring. But for me, that's actually a big part of my story My grandfather was a missionary back in England years ago. And that's a part of why I'm a pastor today. It's a part of my story. He actually used to write me letters when I was going to North Park College, now university, as he would encourage me in ministry, basically telling me not to give up like he had given up, which is why I dedicated my book to him. The line of Jesse reveals how God works through his people. O come, thou rod of Jesse. As we look at people in in Jesus' lineage, we see that he uses all kinds of people. Men, women, Jews, and Gentiles. In Christ's genealogy, Matthew breaks the Jewish tradition and custom as he mentions the names of five women. This was quite contrary to what the Jewish culture would have done at that time. You never would have mentioned a woman in your genealogy. During the time of Jesus, women were seen as property. They were known as objects to be owned rather than people to be valued. The idea of naming a woman in anyone's lineage, thank you, thanks for your help, and was unheard of. Therefore, it's something that we should take notice of. God wanted us to know that there were women in Jesus' lineage. Since normally women would not be listed at this time in this culture, we have to wonder why Matthew wrote about it in Scripture. These women being named shows that God valued women. We're like, yeah, whatever. God values women in a culture where women were not valued. God loves me as much as he loves my husband, Rodney. 
God loves your daughter as much as he loves your son. Now, for us, we think no big deal, of course. But for this culture, that was unheard of. It was unheard of. The firstborn male was always the one that received the inheritance. The women should not be mentioned in the family genealogy. This would have been a concept that the people of that time would have really sat up and taken notice. Women matter to God. And not only do they matter to God, but God wants women to be a part of bringing the gospel to the whole world. He wants to see women as significant people bringing Christ to the world. We, too, must see women as capable leaders, teachers, gospel bearers, and world changers. Not just people to be seen as less than or people that don't matter too much to the world and don't have much to offer. God said so. Another group of people that Matthew mentions in the lineage is actually kind of the same people. They weren't Jewish either. They were Gentiles. So this is something that people would never have included in the Jewish culture. They would not have mentioned anybody, anyone in their lineage that wasn't Jewish. Most of these women were not Jewish. Tamar, Rahab, and Ruth were Gentiles, and it was probably true that Bathsheba was as well, since her first husband, Uriah, was a Hittite. Now, she's not mentioned by name, but we do see her mentioned. This hints at the main purpose of the coming of Jesus Christ was to save the lost sheep of the house of Israel and the Gentiles, those who were not Jewish. We can all benefit from the coming of Christ. Something the Jewish people at this time had never really considered before. This wasn't something that was heard of. God wants all people to be a part of Christ's coming. Not only in gender and culture, but it's also in experience, which brings us to point number two. Free thine own from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people save. God is willing to use flawed people. For example, Abraham and Sarah, too old and too barren. Isaac, almost sacrificed by his own father. Tamar, seducer and adulteress. Rahab, woman of the night from Jericho. Ruth, a Moabite, not Jewish. King David and Bathsheba, both adulterers. Mary and Joseph, poor and not married. Might be able to find yourself amongst the scriptures. We get a glimpse of this concept in the Advent devotional that Bob read this morning by John Weeborg in Heaven's Noble Refugee. We hear him address the concept of the biblical narrative is not sterile as we often want to read the scriptures. As we read the genealogy of Christ in Matthew, we can read it as a two-dimensional, stay-on-the-page group of people. We can assume that they lived almost perfect lives, unless we look a little deeper. We can take a closer look and see that in the lineage of Christ, that these people had broken God's law and sinned against their fellow human. Three of the women, here we go again, these three, 
sinned against God sexually. Bathsheba was guilty of adultery, Rahab was guilty of prostitution, and Tamar was guilty of seducing her own father-in-law. If you have family issues this Christmas, well, you're not alone. Christ himself had issues going way, way back. This helps us remember that this is why the Messiah came. He came for sinners. Even our own family members that we think are way too sinful to be reached by the love of Christ. This is a part of the bigger story. God has a bigger plan for his people. Even King David was known as the greatest king of the Jews. And this is the person that we are following the lineage lineage back. But David was not a perfect king. In fact, the greatest king, the man after God's own heart, was known as stealing an honorable man's wife and then killing him to cover up his own sin. And yet, somehow, God used this man to be a main player in the lineage of Jesus. God has a way of talking about what is not right and transforming it into what he needs it to be for his good and his glory. Now, about 20 years ago, when I was working on a master's degree in clinical psychology, we had to do our own genealogy. And the whole reason we had to do it was to find out our our generational sin. Oh, what fun, right? Isn't this amazing? You're like, I can't even see it. I wanted to take a picture of it because I've saved it for 20 years because it took me way too many hours to figure it all out. And thankfully, we only had to go two generations back. This is like before computers were any good. I just have to say that. That's why it took so long. But it made you think about the generational sin, and we had to do it. We had to address our own generational sin so that when we were working with others, we could help identify it with them and help them move forward in their own. Got me thinking. What if David hadn't sinned in the way that he did? That would change all of the lineage. Or what if the Israelites had been, hadn't been disobedient for 40 years and wandered in the desert? Would Rahab have had a different job? Makes you think. Through Christ's lineage, God reveals the depths of who he is by acknowledging everyone's sins. But he also acknowledged that God redeems. We can't know if, if we sin differently or we were better and didn't sin in certain ways that maybe God would have used us in a better and bigger way. Or maybe we need to think about it's out of our failings and our weaknesses that God is most glorified. As he redeems us all along the way is for his purposes to bring glory to himself rather than to us. Does that mean we should keep on sinning? (laughs) The Apostle Paul addressed this later in Romans 6, 1 and 2. Should we go on sinning that grace might increase? By no means. We are are those who have died to sin. Now we can live in it, and and how can we live in it any longer? A few verses later, Peter states, No, we have been set free from sin. When we sin, we cause hurt and pain, not just to ourselves, but to others 
and long-term. There are long-term effects of our disobedience that can be painful for generations to come. We can see Christ through Christ's lineage. Our own brokenness, however, does not disqualify us from, the, from God's calling on our lives. You can't be too old. You can't be counted out because you're a woman. And God does not want you to be eliminated based on your family lineage being imperfect. God gave Abraham and Sarah a child in their old age. God gave Isaac an animal to be sacrificed in his place. Rahab protected the spies who came to Jericho that saved her life. God gives Ruth a husband. King David was the greatest Jewish king. Mary and Joseph become the parents of the Savior of the world. God wants to use those of us who have faults. It's good news. We can know this because he came to us through humans. And guess what? We all have faults. Christ's lineage points to this. The whole reason Christ came to this earth was because that we have all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. Therefore, we all need a Savior. God used these people, and he will use us in our own brokenness and reminds us of the truth from Matthew 9:13. Christ did not come to call the righteous but the sinners. Jesus came so that we could all, all of us have victory over the grave. God fulfills his promises through his people. God brought Jesus into the world so that we could see Isaiah 11 come alive. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. As we get all the way down to verse 16 in Matthew 1, we hear about Joseph, Mary, and Jesus himself. And we see the full picture that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, came into the world through people and became a person himself in order to fulfill his promise. But it didn't end that day. It's actually Easter, like I talked about at the beginning. The death and resurrection of Christ is actually where we find victory over the grave. This should absolutely blow our minds. We should be completely transformed simply to hear that Jesus was not only willing to come through imperfect humans, but he himself was willing to become a human and die for us so that we might be fully alive here and eternity in him. Now, if you've zoned out, fallen asleep, missed something, Hebrews 2, 14 through 18 sums it all up. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement for the sins of people. 
because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he was able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus himself takes us out of slavery to sin and gives us victory in it through him. God is willing to use us for all of his, in all of his purposes. He wants to redeem us so that we can be a part of his good and his glory. Isaiah 11.10 says this, In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time and reclaim the surviving remnant of his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from from Babylonia, from Hathmeth, and the islands of Mediterranean, and Naperville. Jesus came to save you and I from death. Jesus came not just for you and your friends and your family. He came for the entire world. Jesus came not for the righteous, but the lost, the broken, and the I'm not okay. This is why Jesus is coming to the world is such good news to us. Jesus came to save the world from sin. The wages of sin is death. The cost of sin is death. And guess what? We've all sinned, and so we all deserve death. But Christ has overcome the grave. This is the good news. Here in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty four, When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality... Then the saving that is written, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen, right? Christ's lineage shows us that God has chosen us to bring the gospel to the world through humans. He could have done it any way he wanted to. But he chose us. He chose us. And he was willing to die on the cross for us. We are all a part of his ongoing lineage in Jesus Christ. Invite someone to church tomorrow. They might say, yes, it's Christmas. Let your friends know what Jesus has done in your life and let them see how you've been transformed and what he's done. Hey, maybe you invite someone to this explore God thing. I saw a 10% increase if you do this. That means there should be 20 more people in these pews. Why not be a part of what God's doing? You might think that you don't belong in God's story. Or you might think that someone else in your life couldn't possibly belong in God's story because of they are too broken. 
But the reality is that that's exactly who Jesus came to save. We are a part of his line. We are the ones carrying it on. So church family, rejoice. Rejoice. Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. Lord God, we come before you as a people of God who want to be a part of your lineage. Lord God, so many times we count ourselves out because we're broken and wounded and we think we can't do it. But you are a God that is much bigger than any, any one of us. May we be able to see ourselves and those broken around us as a part of your greater story. In your holy name we pray. Amen.